The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Hello, folks. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv, and this is episode two, meaning we actually made it past episode one. I guess that is a good thing, is it not? So, what I am going to get into this evening or this day, I don't even know anymore. I, I Let me just tell you guys a little bit about my myself and I'm going to do a show about my past going back 20 years uh, and why you should listen to me and why I am someone who you can trust to at least deliver you uh, what I believe to be the truth and that I do my research before I uh, talk about a subject. And I have a lot of experience in a lot of topics, industries, and, uh, and subjects. But I was in live streaming uh, before COVID land kicked off, I was producing a show for another host and we did a lot of live stream content. So if we were going live in the morning or we were going live at night, I knew it was the morning. I knew it was the night. This I'm just getting used to. I was never really in the audio podcast uh, industry. And uh, as far as recording videos and then uploading them to pain.tv, which we will be doing soon. Uh, I'd never know when they're going to come out. So I could be recording in the morning. I could be recording at night. And uh, who knows when it's going to come out. The great thing for you guys and about the content I'm creating is I'm mostly doing evergreen content, which is content that that isn't really based on uh, topics of the day. I'm not doing a daily news analysis. So the subjects like yesterday that I spoke about, where I analyzed an article from 2016 that was on General Electric's website, introducing the tenets of the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, that's a show that you can listen to today, tomorrow, 10 years from now. Uh, it wasn't about daily politics if Joe Biden slipped and fell uh, out of an airplane today. Of course, that's something that probably happens every day. So I could tell a joke about that, and it would work on any day that you listen to it, as long as Joe Biden remains the president when you're, uh, when you're listening. But um, I hope everyone had a good day, good night, whatever it was. This morning, I actually went out early. I get up about 5, 5.30 in the morning, and I ran to uh, the grocery store to pick up some bread and some uh, rosemary ham and pepper jack cheese to make a uh, sort of an egg-battered, not French toast, but like a battered piece of Italian bread uh, in the egg and fried in a pan with ham and cheese on it uh, for my wife. She's getting some strange cravings. Uh, a few months away from having the baby. And she said yesterday before we went to bed, that's what she wanted for breakfast. So I snuck out at about six o'clock in the morning and went and got that stuff. And when I was out there, I don't know how many of you are familiar with me from being a guest on the Thomas Paine podcast on Mike Moore's uh, show right here on Paine.tv and the Paine Network. Uh, I had talked about when uh, COVID happened, I was living in Nashville, and my ex-wife and I had a photography business, and all of the photo shoots 
for a year, basically just canceled. And uh, I was producing, as I mentioned, for uh, another content creator at the time. We were about a year into that business. We were making some money and providing great content, but unfortunately I could not rely on that uh, when COVID had just kicked off. And to many of us, it looked like it was going to be the end of the world, that the tyrants, that the technocratic oligarchs were finally making their move on us. So we pulled back a little bit from that. And um, I said, oh, God, what am I going to do so we don't have to dip into savings uh, during COVID? So a friend of mine who I knew from Nashville and then lived in D.C., he was a comedian. uh, And I used to be involved in the comedy production business, which I'll get into later uh, on another show when I talk a little bit about my background and my experience and uh, all of the different industries I've been involved with uh, over the years and where a lot of my sources and contacts come from. But a friend of mine said um, he had been driving Uber for four or five, six years uh, to supplement his comedy income, and it was a flexible um, source of revenue uh, in between comedy gigs. He said, listen, sign up for Instacart. Instacart is a grocery delivery business, so essentially you open your phone, it's an app, uh, you'll see an order from whatever. Uh, they don't do Walmart, but say, so everyone uh, nationally understands. Say it'll say Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, and there'll be different orders on there. And you can select an order, go shop the order, drop it off to the person, and be paid right away. So I was doing Instacart for uh, the beginning of COVID. And then d- d- shortly into COVID came divorce. So I stuck with Instacart. And I actually moved from Nashville up north to uh, Maryland. And when I got up to Maryland last year in March, COVID was actually still going on in Maryland. People had masks, stuff was closed down. And it turned out that the Instacart market was actually uh, quite good. I got to be friends with a lot of people in uh, blue collar work who work in the grocery stores and then people who also work for Instacart. And I met all kinds of people that were in healthcare before COVID, they were teachers. Uh, all types of jobs, salesmen, and then ended up falling into Instacart and um, and making uh, you know decent money in there. And I was talked about on Mike's show uh, about six months a year ago. I said what Instacart's going to do because they're owned by the technocracy as well. They're going to bring you in uh, to the system, allow you to make good money. That uh, keeps you going, and it's it's a very gamified system. It's like going out and hunting. So you get addicted like a video game to wanting to get the next batch, which is a a, a grocery list you're going to shop and get paid for that. So you're like, "Ah, I got to get the batch. I got to get the batch. I got to get the batch. And you're jonesing like a crackhead to get a batch. And so you get sucked into the system and they let you make a thousand, two thousand dollars a week. And that goes on for a few months. During that time, you're not starting a business. You're not looking for another job. You're not brushing up on your skills to try to get into a new career. And so eventually they've got you hooked. And uh, I went out there this morning. I hadn't been doing Instacart now for about just two weeks. I actually, divorce ended uh, about two months ago and I started phasing myself out of Instacart and looking for other work opportunities in uh, creative web development, stuff I was doing before uh, COVID happened. And uh, I went out there this morning and these guys are hurting. They're all sitting in the parking lot. They're not getting orders. Instacart isn't paying as much. So you have a lot of these people out there, blue collar people, hardworking people. Um, It's the one thing you got to give these guys. A lot of them get up and they're out there at 530 in the morning. And some of them work until 10 o'clock at night until the last order is done. 
and they are out there today uh, really hurting, um, not making the kind of money they would. Some of these guys, if they worked hard, could do three to $400 a day. Take out your gas, which when you're driving that much, it's about $35 a day. And some of them buy lunch. So, you know, say they're bringing in 250 to $350 a day. And they're telling me right now it's less than half of that. So these guys are making $125, uh, to $150, $175 for some of them work 10, 12, 14 hours a day. So my prayers go out to those guys uh, because I feel for them. But I told them, uh, not with this show, but I had taken on uh, a job uh, right actually around the same time I hooked up with Mike on this, but I had committed to a project I'm working on and I told these guys, look, if you have any skills outside of this, I would get out of Instacart as soon as possible and then just utilize it at nights or the weekends to bring in a little bit extra money uh, to supplement you know, whatever salary or hourly rate you get on a normal job. So hopefully these guys pull through, and I know this is happening nationally because I check some of the national Facebook groups uh, to see what's going on, and it's it's whenever something seems like it's going on locally, it's actually going on nationally because Instacart is quickly becoming an international conglomerate, and they they basically rig the entire system. And so these guys have no idea what they're getting into. But I've explained it on Mike's show, and I explained how it ties into the fourth industrial revolution, not just Instacart, but the entire gig economy, including Uber, Uber Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub, and the rest of them. And so these guys are going to face some very difficult times as they got sucked into the system, and now they're not even going to make enough money to be able to cover basically their car payment and their gas, and and I, who knows what other bills they have between rent or mortgage and such. So it is what it is. Uh, I feel bad for them, and I just wanted to mention it. But I hope you guys are having a great day. My garden is uh, doing really well. My wife and I work hard at it, and we've got all kinds of tomatoes and cucumbers and everything else growing right now. And a lot of that was inspired by the community of Pain.TV when I was a listener and a fan of the show. So you guys really inspired me to finally get off my ass and uh, make it happen. And now we are finally eating the fruits of our labor, which has been quite fantastic. So what we are going to go over today, I want to sort of pick up where we left off yesterday. And yesterday in episode one, we discussed an article from November 2016 that was on General Electric's website. And it was an article written shortly after Klaus Schwab wrote the book, The Fourth Industrial Revolution. I'm not going to go back and talk about Schwab today, but I am going to uh, do a show on Klaus Schwab shortly. So, in the General Electric article, they were talking about the tenets of the Fourth Industrial Revolution. And we went through those, and I explained to you that we as humans are continually taking part in building the prison planet around ourselves. We sadly are the worker bees and we are digging our own grave. We discussed that. And I really suggest that you go back and listen to episode one if you have not. Again, the great thing about this show, the majority of what this show will be, is that it is evergreen. It has nothing to do with current events, 
So you can go back and listen and not be bored because it doesn't have to do with what political stuff happened yesterday or what news event stuff happened yesterday. It has to do with a, a broader topic, something that you can literally listen to 10 years from now. So today we are going to get into an article and uh, you will see with this, with this show, the way that I am going to do this is, is once we get through three, four, five, six, seven shows, uh, I'm going to start to have guests on the show, uh, a lot of guests. I'm going to do Q&A um, sessions as well. Uh, with you guys behind the pain.tv paywall so we don't get a lot of kooks calling in and such. But right now I want to get through a number of articles that I've had saved for a couple of years and really introduce you to the nuts and bolts of the technocracy, the fourth industrial revolution, World Economic Forum, and the players so that you really can grasp and have an understanding of what the future will look like and what we are actually up against. And then once you understand that, we can start to work on planning our future, how we are going to develop a natural life, a natural world for ourselves and our children, while still interacting with what I call the matrix, if you still have to make money and food coupons, because there's only going to be so much you can manufacture and grow and produce and even barter with uh, the stuff that you can create on your own homestead. So you are going to have to make money inside of the matrix. And so the more that you know is coming, as Mike would say, it's Intel intelligence, the more intelligence you have as to what is coming. And that's, and you're going to be able to really shape that and see that. And we can illustrate that by looking at what these people talk about, what they've already built, what they have in the pipeline. And then we could start to build our natural life, our breakaway civilization, uh, working around their system as much as possible. So we're going to take a short commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to review the MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Sloan School article with nanotech expanding the brain to the cloud. I'll be right back. I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, folks, we are back. I am Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. As we were just saying before the break, we are going to do a review. We are going to do a review of an article from MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Um, Sloan School. And this article is uh, Ideas Made to Matter, Technology. With nanotech expanding the brain to the cloud. And this was uh, published on February 22nd, 2016. And I just want to say this to the audience too. I know there's a lot of you listening uh, on audio and then also many of you watching video. So I have to get used to the fact that I'm not just on video, which was my primary medium before 
and that I have to sometimes illustrate in words what I'm looking at, what we're talking about for the audio uh, only audience. So what I'm going to do here is I have a number, number of articles and sources pulled up and I'm going to skip back and forth Unlike in episode one yesterday, where I stuck to one article, in this one I'm going to pull up multiple articles because I need to show you uh, and, and illustrate to you bits and pieces from different articles so that we could connect some of these dots. And what I'm doing is I'm showing you, again, this article is from February 22nd, 2016. The article published in General Electric's website yesterday was from November 2016. And what I'm showing you is that these technocrats have been planning what we are, are, have come to know as the Fourth Industrial Revolution coming out of Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum that we only really heard about after March 2020 when COVID land kicked off is that these guys have been working on this way earlier. And even this stuff from 2016 is, is actually late in the game. This stuff goes back decades, but at least this shows you, you know, four or five years, three, four or five years before COVID, they were actually publishing uh, this information. So let me introduce you to, to this article here. Again, with nanotech expanding the brain to the cloud. Author, inventor, entrepreneur, and futurist Ray Kurzweil has accurately predicted the rise of major technological innovations from head mounted displays such as Google Glass to natural language interfaces such as Siri. Now, let me unpack that for you quickly. Let's say for people that don't know, from head-mounted displays such as Google Glass. So in 2016, they were saying that Kurzweil had predicted head-mounted displays such as Google Glass. Google Glass was sort of the first iteration of uh, what you're hearing about now, like Oculus, which is Meta or Facebook's VR headset. You know, virtual reality headset or augmented reality headset. Virtual reality is basically you put the headset on and then you're inside of an immersive kind of 3D video game. Think of it like that. They call it a world, a metaverse, but basically a 3D video game. And then in augmented reality, sometimes you can actually see through the screen what you're looking at in real life and it will actually project images so think of it, if you were in an aquarium, um, if you were in a, like a stadium, like a football stadium or baseball stadium, you put on the goggles and they can make it look like you're in an aquarium and there's fish swimming around. Okay, that's augmented reality. So it says, from head-mounted displays such as Google Glass to natural language interfaces such as Siri. Natural language is basically the ability to speak like we do, just as a human, and then the artificial intelligence through a voice like Siri can actually communicate back and forth with you in natural language. So the old days of, uh, let, let's look at Google. If you were going to search something in Google, you used to have to be very technical with the search terms and use quotes and stuff. Now you can say, show me the nearest Chinese restaurant. That's called natural language. And it'll actually pull up the nearest Chinese restaurant versus you having to say Chinese restaurant within one mile, you know, so that's what natural language is. So author, inventor, entrepreneur, and futurist Ray Kurzweil has accurately predicted the rise of major technological innovations. Now I want to get into Kurzweil a little bit 
because I want to show you who he is. First off, I've got to point out that this this is such nonsensical horseshit. And what I mean by this, it's like Yuval Noah Harari, who they call the prophet of the fourth industrial revolution. Barack Obama's called him the prophet. Mark Zuckerberg has called him the prophet. Klaus Schwab has him as his right-hand man. He's basically the king philosopher. He is the brain behind the fourth industrial revolution. Well, he's no prophet. He sits up at the World Economic Forum and in other venues, and he gives speeches and talks about how um, artificial intelligence, or he would say, artificial intelligence is so dangerous. It is going to be... Uh, replace the humans and what we need to do in order to help the humans is we have to give them access to this technology well they talk about it as if someone else is doing it yesterday in episode one i pointed out they act as if there's some fat hacker kid in their mom's basement programming artificial intelligence and they can't stop it and it's going to come so they are going to help you figure out how to how to gain the skills to work within this new fourth industrial revolution. But they're not profits. You can't sit there and predict something you're going to build, and then when it's built, say you were a profit for predicting it. That's the equivalent of uh, Steve Jobs, right, when he was the head of Apple, said, I predict next year there will be an iPhone 8. And then he has his company build iPhone 8, And two years later, when it comes out, the historians write, wow, Steve Jobs was a prophet. He predicted that iPhone 8 was coming out. And the same thing here with Kurzweil, who actually, let me see if I can even show you this. Uh, Let's see. Are the robots about to rise? Google's new director of engineering thinks so. Ray Kurzweil, ba 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 ba, popularized the Terminator-like moment he called the singularity. Okay, so Kurzweil, this is in uh, February 2014, is Google's new director of engineering at the time. He was a Google director of engineering. So how are you going to say that he predicted the Google Glass? And anyone who was inside of the technology industry knew that Google Glass was coming anyway. So people like Kurzweil, who are these technologists, these engineers, building this technology, are not predicting it. They are just stating to you what they're building, what they're developing. Uh, let's, let's take it even from a simpler approach than Steve Jobs. Let's say I said to my neighbor, neighbor A, I said, hey, neighbor A, look at neighbor B over in his driveway. I guarantee his face is going to hurt. I predict his face is going to hurt in a minute. And then I walk across my driveway and I punch neighbor B in the face. And he goes, ah, he grabs his face. Ah, I turned to neighbor A and I said, you see? And neighbor A goes, whoa, you are a prophet. You accurately predicted that neighbor B's face would be hurting. Okay. That, I mean, that's the honest truth, folks. They're walking around calling each other prophets for predicting things that they are actively doing the research, development, and deployment on. Insanity. I hate to even have to 
go off into these tangents, but I have to do it. I have to point out that these guys are literally crowning each other with achievements for predicting things in which they're the ones developing them. Craziness. Speaking, let's go back there. Author, inventor, entrepreneur, and futurist Ray Kurzweil has accurately predicted the rise of major technological innovations from head-mounted displays such as Google Glass to natural language interfaces such as Siri. Speaking February 20 at the, and remember this would be February 20th, 2016, two days before this article was written. Speaking February 20th at the annual MIT Tech Conference, Kurzweil offered a vision of 2030. Remember, we're only, what, eight years off now? Kurzweil offered a a vision of 2030, one with nanorobots bolstering the immune system and also connecting to external cloud-based neocortal modules or groups of neurons to access far more knowledge than can fit in the brain. Okay, let me make this clear. (laughs) You can sit here, as many people I know do. I have lots of friends and relatives that are older than me that still sit around, they watch Fox News, they still want to believe that Donald Trump is their friend, Okay, and so when you tell them stuff about Klaus Schwab or Yuval Noah Harari or Elon Musk or now this guy, Ray Kurzweil, they discount and they go, what a nut, what a nutcase. Oh, that guy's nuts. What a nut, he's a psycho. What a nut, what a nutcase, psychopath, what a crazy person. He sounds crazy. Well, no one is arguing that. These people are crazy. They are batshit crazy, but they are powerful and they are in charge. And they are creating the regulations, the laws, the rules. They are diagramming and blueprinting our history and our future. These guys are the technocratic oligarchs. They are the architects of the fourth industrial revolution. So let's just... Look at this one more time, because it's so important. Kurzweil offered a vision of 2030, one with nanorobots bolstering the immune system. And th- th- that's talking about nanobots are tiny, tiny microscopic robots. Bill Gates talks about this as well. And they call this the Internet of Bodies, where they literally inject you with these nanoparticles and they can connect you up to the cloud. It's called the Internet of Bodies. There's already the Internet of Things. That is uh, uh, traffic cameras, refrigerators, microwaves, everything, your ring home camera system, everything you can imagine that's hooked to the Internet. As of a couple years ago, it was over 55 billion devices connected to the Internet of Things. It's probably over 100 billion now. And then they talk about the Internet of Bodies, where they want all humans connected, at first through wearables, such as the iWatch, the Fitbit, uh, carrying a phone on you. And then eventually, they want to like inject nanoparticles into people's bodies, which is why there's a lot of people that believe that some of that stuff could have been in the jab or in some of the jabs. 
So one with nanorobots bolstering the immune system and also connecting to external cloud-based neocortal modules or groups of neurons to access far more knowledge that can fit in the brain. You're hearing me correctly. So what people like Elon Musk have said is that we are already technically cyborgs, we humans, because we carry around a smartphone. And if we need information, if we need to do a calculation, uh, if we need a, a math equation, if we need to know where something is located, whatever it is, we can access it through our phone. So we as humans are already interfacing with a computer at all times. And he believes that it's best to just merge the humans with the phone by putting a brain chip in your head. Elon Musk has a company called Neuralink. And he said on multiple occasions in public, including on Joe Rogan's podcast, that he is going to put a brain chip inside your head. They claim that they've already have one working inside of a chimpanzee, and the chimpanzee can play video games inside of its own head. He claims that he's going to have a human uh, done with a chip by the end of this year, but, but, and we're going to do this in another show. Going back in 2008, Dennis Bushnell, uh, one of the head engineers of NASA for the last 40 years, said that they had over 100,000 humans already walking around with brain chips in their heads. So think about that, folks. We're going to be right back after this quick break. I need to have a drink of some sparkling water and go visit my doctor to have an Elon Musk brain chip implanted in my head. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 